Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 311 of Weekly Poker Hand. We're playing 2550 No Limit Hold'em on Poker Night in America. Thanks to them for letting me use their footage. Here I get Ace, King of Spades, and the Lojack seat. We do open it up to $150 out of our, eh, we'll call it 10,000-ish deep stack. Uh, Furman calls in the hijack seat with pocket eights, which is perfectly fine. That's a hand you definitely want to see the flop with. Jennifer Tilly has king-queen offsuit in the small blind, and she can either three-bet or call. I think either play is acceptable. And then Zach in the big blind calls with a mystery hand. Oh, as does Gonzalez with a mystery hand in the cutoff. So we're seeing a very multi-way flop. Five ways. There's only six players at the table. Dan Zach has the ace for offsuit, which is uh, not, a, not such a great hand. Flop comes 7-3-2. Two. two hearts. And now Jennifer Tilly does something very interesting. She likes to lead. Pot 750 bucks, and she bets 400. So when you get a board that should not really connect with many players, it essentially connects with the preflop raiser, right? Because the preflop raiser had the advantage before the flop. When the flop is all blanks, then it's almost as if the flop doesn't exist. Therefore, the preflop raiser still has the advantage. However, in very multi-way pots, even on 7-3-2, someone could have something good, right? I mean, Jennifer Tilly could definitely have pocket sevens, threes, or twos. Maybe she even has, you know, three, two every once in a while. That said, I do think most of the time if someone is leading here, they are going to have some sort of a draw or a marginal made hand. But you never know. And that's the cool part about poker, right? Do I really want to put in a raise here with my ace king on seven, three, two, or call, knowing that somebody at could just call or raise me? That's certainly not great. So it's a situation where she can put the opponents in pretty tough spots. And the neat thing about king of clubs, queen of hearts on 732 two hearts is that if a heart comes on the turn she should keep she can keep bluffing if the turn's an overcard it's you know clearly scary if one of the opponents does have a 73 or 2 so it's a situation where she's actually going to be able to bluff a lot on the turn and the river i think if i was in her scenario i would have bet even a little bit bigger just to like really polarize my range immediately and put my opponents in tough situations but i mean i guess if i had to pick a hand to lead here it'd be hands more like 65 or 54 or 64 of hearts, with a heart, something like that. Um, but, you know, cool, cool play. Uh, Danzak folds his ace four for a gut shot, which is, you know, good. She's made a better hand fold there. I'm going to fold my ace king of spades on seven three two, no spades, right? So it just makes me fold. But now she runs into Furman with pocket eights, and he is not going to fold on seven three two. This is a spot where if he raises, he's mostly going to get action from the few better hands that exist. Kind of a neat spot again, though, if you, if you really know something about uh, Jennifer Tilly's range when she does lead, which, you know, you can't really know if you haven't played with her much, but if you did know that she really enjoys leading with hands like overcards or gut shots or junky flush draws, then you could actually conceivably raise with these pocket eights for value and protection. Because right here, if, if he can make Jennifer Tilly fold out her 26% equity, it's actually a pretty nice success. So it's a situation where that's certainly viable. So he does call. They see the turn heads up. Turn is a jack of clubs. This is a card that's it's kind of an interesting card, right? Because Jennifer Tilly really should not have a whole lot of jacks in her hand unless she has um, a flush draw, which just turned top pair. So those hands would like to keep betting. Um, if she did have a flush draw, she definitely should keep betting. Notice here a lot of the flush draws either still have two overcards or one overcard or a gut shot or something like that. So the overcards still have plenty of equity to bet. This is a spot where I definitely think betting is viable with some of her draws. The, the issue here is that she's probably just bluffing too much if she's betting with this king-queen again. So when she does bet, it puts Furman in a pretty tough spot because with pocket eights on 7-3-2 jack, 
I mean, you have a pure bluff catcher. Um, the nice thing is that he's probably aware that Jennifer Tilly is capable of bluffing, which means that you just can't fold. So uh, pretty much no matter what she bets, I think Furman's going to stick around against. So Pot's 1,550. Jennifer Tilly bets 900, which I think is fine. She can maybe even go a little bit bigger. Again, just really polarizing a range. Furman does stick around, which I think is acceptable. River is the nine of hearts. All right, so take a second, think about this. Should Jennifer Tilly keep betting on this river? Because that's the big question. Take a second, I'm going to sip on my coffee while we think about it. Well, now at this point, Furman is never going to fold a flush, but he will very likely fold out a seven, which I do think is his most likely hand, or hand like pocket eights, or hand like pocket tens. Obviously, he could have pocket nines, he could have pocket jacks, but most likely he has either a marginal made hand or a decent draw. So the nice thing about Jennifer Tilly's queen of hearts in her hand is that it makes it more difficult for Furman to have a flush, right? Because Jennifer Tilly blocks ace queen of hearts, king queen of hearts, uh, queen jack of hearts, queen ten of hearts, and a random queen eight of hearts, right? So it's actually a decent number of flushes that she is blocking. Now, obviously, she'd much rather have the ace of hearts in her hand because then she's blocking ace king, ace queen, ace jack, ace ten, ace eight, ace six, ace five, right? Like a whole lot more of them, right? But she does block some of them, and perhaps much more importantly here, she just completely lacks showdown value. And if you think about Jennifer Tilly's range, like which hands are actually completely lacking showdown value here? Notice if she had, well, any flush draw just became an effective nut hand. She could have had a hand like six, well, one of the gut shots, right? Like six, five, five, six, five, six, four, five, four. That completely lacks showdown value. Those should definitely bluff. But really, if you think about everything else, if she had 10, eight, that got there. If she had... 9-8, uh, that got there with a pair. She had Jack-10, that got there with a pair, right? So this is actually one of the worst hands she can have at this point. Not, you know, one of the absolute worst, but still one of the worst. But for her, in this scenario, a lot of flushes just came in, and flush draws are a hand that very easily could conceivably lead. So I would not have taken this line of leading in this scenario with this hand, but if I did have 6-5, I would definitely be bluffing the river. If I had, um, like... Queen 10 randomly, which I mean, again, I never really have the overcard type hands when I'm leading. But if I did have one of the gut shots, like uh, six five of clubs, for example, that's a hand that I would at least consider leading um, with a gut shot with a backdoor flush draw, and then you turn a, a flush draw um, when the jack of clubs comes on the turn. That's a hand that could definitely bet the flop, for sure should bet the turn, and for sure should bet the river. So there are some hands that you would like to be bluffing in this spot. Um, but if she is bluffing like every unpaired hand she could have, and she's leading with a lot of unpaired, hand, unpaired hands, she's probably bluffing too often. However, bluffing too often actually is a pretty good strategy if your opponents are going to have a whole lot of marginal made hands, which I do think Furman's going to have. I mean, we see, here's a good example, right? No, he could easily have 8-7, 7-6, he could have pocket 10s, he could have um, backdoor flush draws with like ace, 10 of clubs, right? All these hands you really want to be betting to get to fold. So I, this, I do think this is a spot where Jennifer Tilly needs to bet. Plus 3,350. I don't think she needs to go too big because she's trying to get marginal stuff to fold. So I think a bet of something like 2,000 would be quite nice. I think that's going to give her some fold equity and um, it's going to pick up the pot some portion of the time. Now, obviously, if Furman has a set or a two pair or a flush, he's never folding, but that's okay. And that's why you don't want to bet really big because when you start betting really big, like 4,000 or all in, then if he has a flush, you just lose a ton, right? So it's a pretty cool spot. But I do think Jennifer Tilly needs to go for the bluff here because the board came jack and nine, which make the most obvious made hand on the flop a seven 
significantly worse. And whenever that happens, you just need to keep betting. If it came out nine and then Jack, then I would definitely keep betting because then it ran out like even worse because he could have easily had a nine on the flop that then got worse on the on the river, right? I'm sorry, a nine on the turn that got worse on the river. So basically every time the obvious marginal made hands get worse, it's usually a pretty good time to continue bluffing. This time though, she does think for a while and then likes to check. And I don't like to check. You're gonna find that, well, don't know if I should ruin this for myself, but I think over bluffing the river is very good. I do think you should be bluffing way more than your fair share, especially when your opponent's range is likely very marginal because like right here, it does go check, check. Furman just gets to roll over the pocket eights without much of a risk. And if your opponents know you are not going to be putting them in difficult spots on the river, they can just call you every time on the flop and call you every time on the turn because, you know, they're getting roughly the right price in all those scenarios. And they know they're not going to have to face a difficult river situation all that often. And you want them to know that every once in a while, you're just going to be putting them in these very, very difficult spots. So uh, every once in a while, you have to go for it. And if I did have the random king queen here, I think I would have gone for it just because you really want to make ace high fold and you really want to make a seven fold. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a little bit, a little something. Um, if you did, check out my training site, pokercoaching.com. There I have tons of free educational content for you. Go there, sign up for a free trial membership, and let me know what you think on Twitter, at Jonathan Little. Good luck in your games. Have fun, and I'll talk to you next time.